That's nice. So we're just honored to get to, to bring this message. It's awesome. <laughs> Wait, do you have the kit? Where's the kit? Show <laughs> me the thing. Wait, what? Hey there, Levi and Jenny here, and we just wanted to come on real quickly before the message begins to say thank you. Yes. We consider it an enormous privilege to bring messages from God's Word to you, and we hope it blesses you as much as it helps us. That's right, and we're about to launch into a new series called Wild Blue Yonder, and we are just so excited for this season in our church and in our lives. That's right, it's a time where we're asking for God to give us the courage and the faith to risk the ocean and step out into the unknown so He can do more in us and through us. The series culminates in a special year-end Wild Blue Yonder offering where all of us at Fresh Life are asking God, what are we going to bring above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings to see God expand our reach and do even more to build His kingdom? That's right. And in this exciting time for us as a church, we want to invite you to be a part of this. That's right. You can, of course, do that on our website, freshlife.church, or we'd like to be able to offer to give to you something we've given to everyone at Fresh Life. And that's one of these special Wild Blue Yonder giving kits. And of course, there's an envelope in it where you can uh, put what your gift is, but then there's also a beautiful reminder, uh, which is a cool Wild Blue Yonder Remove Before Flight zipper pull, which would make an amazing keychain. Or if you have a bomber jacket, Put it on that zipper. Or right here. I could put it right here. But the point is, as you're coming across this and praying through the teachings from God's Word through this series, we'd love for you to have one of these as you would consider your part in extending our reach to reach more people at freshlife.church and through all of the online and TV broadcasts as well. So you can get one of these uh, through shooting an email, email to info at freshlife.church. We'd love to send one your way as we collaborate together, partnering to see people touched by Jesus. That's right. Thank you so much for watching. Enjoy the message. Let's give Jesus a big hand clap of praise this weekend. Come on, across every campus. Come on, let's give Jesus a big standing ovation of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Don't get comfortable. You might be back up again. Come on. Is anybody excited to be in church this weekend? I tell you, I, uh, I say it all the time, but it certainly rings true today. I'm not just excited to be at Fresh Life. I am Red Bull excited and espresso elated. I have been waiting with tiptoe anticipation for this moment. In fact, uh, I almost had Pastor Levi skip the introduction because introductions are for guests. And uh, I'm not a guest here. I am family. I've adopted myself into the Fresh Life family because... Uh, I'll just reiterate what Pastor Levi said. We had such a phenomenal weekend at Impact Team Conference. It was so, so good that I just I adopted myself into the family. So y'all stuck with this chocolate brother from Dallas, Texas, named Robert Madu. And uh, it's absolutely amazing. In fact, if you're wondering why I'm speaking this weekend, it's kind of funny. Pastor Levi called me and he said, Robert, do you believe in free speech? I said, absolutely, I do. He said, good, stay the weekend and give one to every location. <laughs> no, I just played. That's not what happened. But uh 
I, uh, I'm so thankful that Pastor Levi and Jenny said yes to the call of God uh, almost 11 years ago now. And uh, man, I pray you never take the gift God has given you for granted. Uh, they are literally, and it's not hyperbole, celebrated around the world uh, and in so many different circles. But I pray that they're always honored and celebrated right here in the Fresh Life family. Come on, can you help me thank God for Pastor Levi, his amazing wife. Come on, y'all could do better than that across every campus. Would you let them know how much you love them, how much you appreciate them? Come on, I'm talking about your pastors, your leaders. It's my honor, absolute honor for my wife and I to be here. Um, we, we bring you greetings from the great country of Texas. Uh, I have lived there my entire life. Uh, my wife and I, uh, life is busy right now. We have three kids under three. Uh, so life is very busy. And you know how some rookie parents are. Um, as soon as they have kids, they think their kids are the most beautiful kids in the world. And I always put up pictures of their kids because they want everybody to see their kids. I'm not that dad. You ain't got to worry about me doing that fresh life. This is about me preaching Jesus, not you seeing my children. So we good. We good. That's not true. If y'all don't put my kids on every screen across every campus, come on, somebody. Hey, Fresh Life, I made that. I made that. <laughs> that is my baby girl on the left, our oldest, Everly Adair Madu. We call her Evie. She is the reason that I pray more uh, and I have a shotgun. Amen. <laughs> then that's my son in the middle, Robert Madu third, my legacy, my namesake, and then our newest addition, Remington Elaine, who was just two months old. So uh, I put up their pictures everywhere I go because people wonder why I have this glow uh, that emanates from my face. And it's not just because I use exfoliating skin products. It's because uh, I just think fatherhood is the best hood. There's nothing like being a dad. So that's my family. And, uh, man, I'm excited to share the word. How many of you have been loving the Wild Blue Yonder series? Come on. Absolutely amazing. And uh, I just want to just add another layer, another addendum to it. Uh, I love this idea as you gear up uh, for this amazing offering. And I just, by faith, believe it's going to be one of the largest offerings that you've ever received. It's going to help so many people. But I love this idea of Wild Blue Yonder uh, and the symmetry between going to the unknown and generosity. Because if you're going to take the unknown, you have to be generous. The Bible is clear that the world of the generous gets larger and larger and larger. But the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And when I see all the campuses that you're opening and what you're doing, it requires a heart of generosity to really step into the unknown. So I'm believing God's going to speak to us today, and it's going to be real, real good. Do you have a Bible with you? Come on across every campus. Would you wave your Bible in the air like you just do care? Come on. Some of your Bibles are glowing. Charged up your Bible. I want to look at uh, two passages of Scripture. I want to look at Numbers 11, verses 1 through 6, and also John chapter 6, verses 30 through 35. Numbers 11, 1 through 6, and John chapter 6, 30 through 35. While you're looking for it, how many of you have never heard me preach before? Can I see your hand if you've never heard me preach? Quite a few hands. Okay, quick disclaimer. Uh, there are so many different preaching styles in the body of Christ. There are some preachers who are very calm, uh, very quiet, very stoic and sedate as they stand behind a pulpit or a circular table to softly pontificate the processes of philosophy, eschatology, and soteriology. And they would consider it uncanny and boisterous for you to say anything while they're sharing what the Lord has deposited in the deep recesses of their heart, soul, mind, and spirit. Uh, I ain't one of those preachers, okay? I am a holla back preacher, okay? So if 
anything, anything I say over the next six and a half hours that we have together uh, resonates with you. You can say amen, say preach that, say mm, that was good, just help a preacher out today. Numbers 11, starting at verse 1, when you're ready to read it, say yeah. yeah. It says, now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tibera, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Can you say amen? Just, just a little context to that particular text. This is during a time in the history of the children of Israel where God has done a supernatural, incredible miracle. He has set them free from slavery. He's emancipated them from the chains of Egypt. They are now en route to the promised land. You want to talk about wild blue yonder. They are en route to the promised land. I love it because God brought them out with style and grace. He split a Red Sea, people, for them to get through on dry ground. He said, I don't even want you to get your kicks messed up. I want you to walk through on dry ground. They're en route to the promised land. They're en route to the place God has prepared for them. But watch this. En route to the promised land, they say, God, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to slavery. And here's why they want to go back. So they can get some garlic, some meat, some onions, some leeks. I don't even know what that is. This is why they want to go back to slavery just to get some meat to eat. What the health is going on? How in the world could you want to go back to slavery just to get some meat to eat? But hear me, Fresh Life, don't laugh at the children of Israel before you check yourself. <laughs> Before you wreck yourself, because isn't it funny when God does something awesome and incredible in our lives and we're in this unknown space in the wild blue yonder, how it is the human tendency and proclivity to gravitate right back towards the very thing that God brought us out of. They were sick of the manna, which was the bread that came down from heaven. So real quick, let's go to John chapter 6, because Jesus talks about that manna. John 6, 30 through 35. And it says, therefore they said to him, that him is Jesus, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Who Jesus like, hashtag, you don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> he says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Can you say amen? Come on, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. Across every campus, I just want to preach today, just using this as a title, Faith for the Middle. Faith for the Middle. Would you pray with me before we go into this word? Father, thank you for your word. God, I'm cognizant of the fact that the grass withers, the flower fades, but your word shall stand forever. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. God, we've not gathered today out of religious routine. We've not come today to be entertained. 
We have come to be drastically changed. Speak to us so clearly. And when we leave, let us say, it was so good to have been in the presence of Jesus. And somebody loves Jesus, say amen. amen. Say amen again. Faith for the middle. Has anybody been to an airport lately? Can you just raise your hand across every campus? You've been to an airport lately? Okay, awesome. If you lifted up your hand, then you are acutely aware of the fact that what I just asked was, has anybody been to purgatory lately? <laughs> oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, the airport is the new purgatory. Uh, you don't have to be dragged off a plane to know that it is hard out here for a traveler. The, the Bible says, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Don't forget the last one, self-control. If you are a believer, if you are a believer, then that fruit should be evident in your life. However, if you're here today and you say, Robert, I got that fruit, but you've never flown, how do I say this? I don't believe you. I do not believe you. Because the airport is designed to suck the fruit of the Spirit out of you. It is constructed to make you lose your Christ-likeness and go off on people. I'm the lost baggage claim desk, the lost baggage claim desk, is really just a litmus test to see if you won't say words that you're not supposed to say. Yes, yes, the reason the person behind the counter is moving at a glacial pace and is typing one word per minute and seems to be unperturbed and undisturbed by the fact that you paid them a fee to lose your bag is because that person wants to quietly giggle on the inside when they make you go off and speak to them in a tongue that needs no interpretation. I'm telling you, it is so true. And if you're wondering why I have all this travel knowledge, it's because for the last 14 years of my life, there has not been a single weekend where I haven't been traveling or flying somewhere to go preach. And 14 years of itinerant ministry. And, and some of you are like, oh, Robert, is this so bad? It's not so bad. Bad. It's not so bad. I, I am now executive platinum with American Airlines. Executive platinum. Some are like quick bragging about being executive platinum. All executive platinum means is that I get a half inch more leg room and I get the proud privilege of saying, I got on the airplane before you, which if you think about it, is equivalent to saying, I got to prison before you. So it's not that big of a deal. However, over the years, I have developed a few uh, plain pet peeves, plain pet peeves, and they all have to do with the seats on the plane. I got a whole lot, but I'm just going to give you a few. These are my plain pet peeves, okay? I, I don't like, here's one, ooh, I don't like that my seat has to be in the upright position for takeoff and landing. This annoys me. I have three kids under three. Some of the best sleep that I get is on a plane. And I have been sound asleep on a plane for students to wake me up and say, sir, get up. I'm like, what, what? We crashing? No, no. I just need your seat back in the upright position before we take off. Really? Is this a matter of national security? It ain't like the seat go all the way back. This ain't a lazy boy. The seat only goes back about this much. So in essence, what the stewardess is saying to me is that this is safe. This ain't safe. This is safe. This ain't safe. This annoys me. Oh, I got more. I got a whole lot. Another one has to do with a person, a person that gets on the plane, and they're always late. They're always late. And they're like, oh, whew. 
Man, I almost missed the flight, but I'm so glad I had time to go to Mickey D's. And they pull out a burger with extra onions and cheese, and, and the pungent odor is permeating the fabric of my clothes. I don't like that. Get you some granola, man. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair that before I got on the plane, if you ask me my fragrance, I would tell you Givenchy. But when I get off the plane, you ask me my fragrance, I say number three. I'm wearing a number three because he made a bad food choice on this plane. <laughs> Oh, I got more. I got more. And it's going to get me kicked out of fresh life. Here's another one. Here's another one. I don't like to sit next to ooh, the lady with the crying baby. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. I cannot sit next to the lady with the crying baby that doesn't have an off button, okay? True story, fresh life. I'm on this flight a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and this baby is sitting next to me just crying the whole flight, drooling on my iPad as I'm trying to study. And so the flight wasn't that packed, and so I looked at the stewardess. I said, ma'am, do you mind if I switch my seat? And the stewardess said, you're executive platinum. Of course, <laughs> you can switch your seat. So I moved my seat. I get off of the plane, and the lady with the crying baby sees me. And can you believe this lady had the nerve to get an attitude with me? because I changed my seat on the plane. Can you believe she had the nerve to get mad at me because I changed my seat on the plane? Can y'all believe my wife Taylor got mad at me because I changed my seat on the plane? Ooh, I don't like to sit next to crying babies, even if it's my baby, but... Hear me, flesh, uh, hear me, fresh life. I can handle. I can handle all of the aforementioned annoyances. I really can handle all of it, so long as I'm not sitting in one seat. There is one seat that I cannot sit on the plane. I check it before every flight, and that is the seat. In the middle. I cannot do it. I can't sit in the middle. I don't mind sitting on the aisle. I can get them to go to the bathroom whenever I want. I don't mind sitting by the window. I can take a picture of the clouds, put it on Instagram, hashtag God is the greatest artist. But the seat that I cannot sit in is the seat in the middle. You realize you don't even get an armrest when you sit in the middle. Oh no, that's not for you. That's for them. This is you in the middle trying to figure out how in the world did I end up in this place. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I'm beginning to find out that a life of faith, the wild blue yonder, is often lived out in the middle sea. Does anybody know what it's like to feel stuck in the middle seat, to be in that place, watch this, where you're not where you used to be. You're not where you're going to be, but you are wrestling with the complexities of being stuck in the middle. I'm telling you, you don't know what's in you until you are in the middle. You don't know what will come out of you when you're in the middle. This is the wild blue yonder when you are stuck in the middle betwixt and between the place that God is trying to take you to. And this is the tenor of my text today. The children of Israel, watch this, are not in Egypt where they used to be. They're not in the promised land what they're, where they're going to be, but they are stuck in the middle. And the real you comes out when you are stuck in the middle. Ooh, before I talk about their middle, perhaps I should back that thing up and talk about their beginning. Because if you really want to get a, a culmination of their beginning, you have to go to Exodus 14. Exodus 14 is one of those passages of scripture that if you're a believer, you might want to read it every day. Because scholars and theologians are almost unanimous in their declaration that one of the clearest biblical pictures of what it means to put your faith in Jesus is found in Exodus 14. One of the clearest biblical pictures of salvation is in Exodus 14. And that, that is the picture of this, of the children of Israel walking out of Egypt through the Red Sea 
into the promised land. That is one of the clearest biblical pictures of what it means to put your faith in Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you're a believer, you ought to just read Exodus 14 every day. If you don't want to read it, watch the movie. Okay, you can go old school with Charlton Heston or new school Bible series and just watch them walk through the Red Sea. Rewind it, watch them walk through, 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 rewind it, watch them walk through. But close your eyes when you rewind it. Close your eyes. You want to see somebody backslide, okay? You don't want that on your conscience. Just watch them walk through the Red Sea because that is one of the clearest biblical pictures of what it means to put your faith in Jesus. Why is that? Because for 400 years, 400 years, 400 years. That is a long time. For 400 years, they were in slavery. For 400 years, they were in bondage. For 400 years, they were in chains. And in one moment, they went from being slaves to being saved. In one moment, they went from singing songs of sorrow to singing songs of joy. In one moment, they went from being slaves to understanding I am a child of the Most High God with a purpose on my life. In one moment, after four hundred years. How dare you have the nerve, the audacity, the unmitigated gall to say, Robert, I don't know if God can bring me out of this situation I'm in because I've been dealing with this for a long time. Has it been 400 years? Come on, there is no stronghold that God cannot bring you out of. When God wants to bring you out, come on, he will bring you out with a mighty hand because whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. After 400 years, they got the victory in one moment. Never negate the power of a single moment in the presence of God. After 400 years, they got the victory in one moment. Now, you got to ask yourself, what was the cause agent? What was the impetus of their salvation? Your first note, it was not their morality. Wasn't their morality. It wasn't like God came down with the Ten Commandments and said, do all of you solemnly swear to keep all of these commandments, otherwise I'm not going to split the Red Sea. Do y'all promise you had to put your hand up, this water is cold. No, it had nothing to do with their morality. So away with this notion that you have to get yourself together before you come to God. How many know you can't get yourself together? You are too hashtag jacked up to get yourself together. That's why you needed a Savior. Come on, you can't get yourself, you can't fix yourself. How are you going to fix yourself? You know, when I want to get a really good laugh, when I go to the bookstore, guess what section I go to? The self-help section. (laughs) Really? Self-help? You're going to help yourself? How are you going to help yourself? Yourself is the one that got you in the mess in the first place. You can't fix yourself. You come to God just as you are. So it was not the morality that saved them. It wasn't even their faith that saved them for the spiritual people. Because you know, they're walking through this Red Sea. There's a lot of people walking through this Red Sea. So you even have different levels of faith. There are some people who are walking through with great faith, robust faith. They say, who I told you God was going to set us free. Didn't I tell you last week? I knew we were going to get the victory. I knew we were getting out of here. They were walking through with great faith. And there were some people who were walking through with little or no faith. Talking about Moses, I can't swim. Don't you drop your hand, man. Scared to death. So it had nothing to do with the level of faith. Then why did God save them? He saved them because they had been crying out to a God that they had heard about but hadn't personally experienced. And that God responded not to their deeds but to their need. Who can I tell you, if you have a need in here today, you are a candidate for God to do something powerful and awesome in your life. Because God doesn't need anything. All he needs is your need. So he brought them through with a victory, with a mighty hand. 
Now, you understand uh, that this is an Old Testament passage of Scripture, and we cannot just approach it like it's a cute Sunday school story because there's so much revelation in this text. As a matter of fact, if you're a student of the Word, you know that the Old Testament is simply a shadow of what Christ is in the New Testament. It's just a shadow. Like, those of you at, at this campus, right on the front row right here on the stage, can y'all see my shadow that's being cast on the stage? See my shadow? How many of you know my shadow has to do what I do? Like if I lift up my hand, my shadow better lift up his hand, okay? If I start dancing, my shadow better dance, okay? If I dance and my shadow goes, y'all got to find another preacher, okay? I am running home to Dallas, okay? My shadow has to do what I do. My shadow is proof positive of two things. Number one, I am real, and there is light in this room. Because Jesus Christ is real, and he is the light of the world. He cast a shadow, which is the Old Testament. The Old Testament is just a shadow of what Christ is in the New Testament. Now, how many of you know, when you look at my shadow, you cannot get distinctive features. Like, you can't look at my shadow and know my hair color or my eye color. You know why? It's just a shadow. That's why when you read in the Old Testament about individuals who do exploits for the kingdom of God, they are not Christ, but they're just giving you previews of a coming attraction. They're just setting up what Jesus is going to do when he steps on the scene. So that gives us so much clarity to this passage of Scripture because we begin to understand that the children of Israel are a shadow of the church and the believer. Moses becomes a shadow and a type for, of Christ because he was born for no other reason than to bring salvation and liberation to an entire generation. Pharaoh becomes a shadow of Satan. Egypt becomes a shadow of sin, which is why Pharaoh wants them to stay there. Come on, somebody. Is this too much on a, on a weekend service? I'm it's just a shadow of which Christ is the reality. The Old Testament Passover, where they would take a lamb, an innocent lamb, kill that lamb, and then sprinkle the blood of that lamb on the wooden doorpost, is just giving you a preview of another lamb who is going to be slain. But his blood is not going to be shed on a wooden doorpost. It's going to be shed on a wooden cross. So when you identify with the cross of Jesus Christ, come on, how many are thankful that death has to pass over your life? Sickness has to pass over your life. Disease has to pass over your life because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Woo! It's just a shadow of which Christ is the reality. The Red Sea, the Red Sea that they walk through is just a picture of baptism. It's just a big baptism party. Because it says, when I go through this water, the old me is staying in Egypt, but the new me is coming out of the water, ready to step into everything that God has for me and go into the wild blue yonder. Ooh, now, that don't make you praise God. Something's wrong with you for real, though. Because that's exactly what the children of Israel did. When they looked back at Pharaoh and all of his horses and all of his men drowned in their water, they turned all the way up. Who was actually the first recorded praise and worship song? They started praising God exuberantly. Who? That's why I can always tell in the service somebody who knows where God has brought them from. Because you don't have to pump that person up to praise God. All they need is a flashback of where they could have been and where they should have been if God hadn't stepped in their life and praise will erupt out of their heart and their spirit. Come on, I feel like having church this weekend. If you know where God has brought you from, could you just take 10 seconds across every campus and just give God your best praise? Oh, come on, if you know where you could be, if it had not been for the Lord that was on your side, woo, I know what he's brought me from. I know where I could be. They started praising God. They started clapping. In my mind, I see him getting the tambourine and... They start having church. I see Moses getting behind the podium saying, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty. We're free at last. It was an awesome moment. It was a powerful moment. But hear me. 
Once the water had receded, once the lights and the smoke were gone, after they unplugged Moses' microphone, <laughs> they're now faced with a question that you always have to ask yourself anytime you've had a true encounter with God. And that question is this, who am I now? Who am I now? I know I'm no longer a slave and now I'm saved, but how do I walk in that? Especially when I've been a slave for so long. Say it another way. I know I'm out of Egypt, but how do I get Egypt out of me? See, this is what a lot of church people don't like to deal with. They don't like to deal with the fact that you can be out of Egypt, but not have Egypt out of you. And when you're out of Egypt, but Egypt is not fully out of you, it is frustrating, it is annoying, it is the middle seat, it is the wild blue yonder, because you know you've had an encounter with God. You know it. It was undeniable. The problem is you still got some Egypt behavior. You still got some Egypt mentality. This is when you start making what I call if I, then why statements. Have you ever made an if I, then why statement? It's like, if I have the peace of God, then why am I so stressed out? It's like, if I have the mind of Christ, then why do I have things coming to my mind that I don't know Christ, Mary, Joseph, the angels, and the wise men would not be thinking about right now? Come on. Oh, it's just me. Come on. Have you ever made this? Like, if I have Jehovah Jireh, my provider, then why is my money funny, my change is strange, and I got more bills than I got income? It's indicative of the fact that you're out of Egypt, but Egypt is still coming out of you. What a lot of people don't understand about faith, about Christianity, is that initially, initially, Christianity is a change of status more than it is a change of behavior. Initially, Christianity is a change of status more than it is a change of behavior. Watch this. They were in Egypt. They were slaves. In a moment, they got saved. Their status changed. The challenge before they get into the promised land is how do I get my behavior to come into alignment with my new status? And that fresh life is a process. It is a process to become who God has called and created you to be. It is a journey. It is the wild blue yonder. It is a process. And I felt like I needed to tell somebody today, don't give up just because you're in process. Just keep walking. Even in the unknown, just keep walking. Don't know where I'm going. Just keep walking. It's a process. Somebody say process. We'll say like you had some Red Bull. Say process. It's a process. I wish it wasn't. I wish it wasn't a process. You know how easy it would be to preach if it wasn't a process? I wish faith was like Hot Pockets. Come on, somebody, two minutes and 22 seconds, and you got an amazing meal? But I found out that God is a lot more oven than he is microwave. If you're ever going to step into the effulgence of what he has for you, you got to have strength from the journey because it is a process to step into all that he has for you. Somebody say process. It is a process to become who God has created you to be. I wish it wasn't a process. I wish it was easy, but it's not. It's a process. Can I tell you part of the reason why it's a process? Part of the reason why it's a process is because of the way you were created. You didn't know you were created in the image of God. You know you created in his image. Come on. And God is three in one. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. And because you were created in his image, guess what? You are three in one. 
it's three of you sitting in that seat right now. So you're like, oh, that's why I was hearing that voice the other day. No, you just might be crazy. No, I'm playing. No, but I'll show it to you. Watch this. You are a spirit, are a spirit, housed in a body, and you have a soul. Three in one. When you put your faith in Jesus, immediately your spirit man comes alive. That which was dead comes to life. Come on, that's why tears are going this way, snot's going the other way, because that which was dead has now come to life. That is automatic. Ooh, your body Oh, not so much. Not so much. I wish there was a prayer you could pray at the altar that would take you from a one-pack to a six-pack. I wish there was a prayer, but your body doesn't change. You got to wait till heaven to get your new body. Till then, hit the gym and rebuke Krispy Kreme donuts in the name of Jesus, okay? My body doesn't change. In the middle, whoo, I got my soul. That's the middle seat. That is the wild blue yonder because I got my past. I got my emotions. I got things that people have spoken in my life. I've got things that I've done, things that people have done to me. And I've got to allow the same spirit of God that changed me in a moment to change me through a process, through the journey, and trust that I will become all that God has created and called me to be. And not allow the enemy, hear me, to make me think that I'm not a citizen in the kingdom of God just because I'm still in process. To not allow the enemy to make me think that just because I'm out in the wild blue yonder in the unknown, to think that God has forgotten me. No, I am still a citizen in the kingdom of God. Okay, I forgot to tell you this earlier and I apologize for it, uh, but you do know that I am African American. I don't want that to slip by you. African-American. In fact, I'm one of the realest African-Americans you'll ever see in your entire life. Like some people say they are, I am for real African. Like you should take a picture. Here's why. Here's why. My father, my father, he's from Nigeria. He came to America. He came to America like Eddie Murphy in the movie. And he met my mom who's American. So when your dad's African and your mother's American, that makes you... Y'all the smart class, and I'm uh, African-American. And my father, coming up this February, will be, I believe, 35 years that my father has been a citizen of these United States of America, okay? 35 years. Now, my father first came to this country. He was not a citizen. He was not a citizen. He had to apply for citizenship. And I don't know what the process was. I think they interviewed him. I think he took a test. Maybe he said the Pledge of Allegiance. Maybe they stamped his forehead. I don't know what happened. But it was all said and done. They deemed him a citizen of these United States of America. But how many know after being deemed a citizen, my father did not, did not wake up the next morning and go, Hello. My name is Robert Madu Sr. We've got the same name. And I am now a United States citizen. How many know it did not go down like that, okay? No citizenship was changing that accent, all right? If anything, my Nigerian father woke up the next morning and said, Hello, my name is Robert Madu Sr. And I am now a United States citizen, okay? No citizenship was changing that accent. My dad was a United States citizen, United States citizen. He had never seen football before, never seen an NFL game before. He'd never seen football. He is watching his first NFL game, staring at the screen going, what are these idiots doing? This is not football. The football, I know, you take a ball and you kick it with your foot. This is not football. What is this? Had no idea. My dad was a United States citizen. He had never had pizza before. Never had pizza. Somebody said, you want some pizza? He said, what is that? I don't know pizza. I know goat. I know chicken. I don't know pizza. United States citizen never had pizza before. This is going to mess y'all up. My dad was a United States citizen. He had never seen snow before. You can't be shocked at that. Come on. It don't snow in Africa, okay? It is hot in Africa. It is hot. I have preached open-air crusades. It is hot. It's another level of heat, okay? Another level. I stepped off the plane. My nose hairs got singed. That's how hot it is in Africa. I'm telling you. I looked at the thermometer. It just said hell. That's how hot 
it is another level. So, so my dad had never seen snow growing up, never seen snow. And he thought, because he had never seen it, that if snow landed on you, it would hurt you. True story, thought it would hurt you. And of all places, he landed in New York City in the wintertime. Fresh life. This is my father walking through New York as snow is coming down. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Don't let the snow get me scared of snow. You laugh, but that was 30-plus years ago. Today, the man knows more about football than I do. He'll be at my house watching the Cowboys on the flat screen, getting frustrated, saying, son, what in the world are the Dallas Cowboys doing? Every year they find a way to let me down. Son, I can't watch this. I can't watch it. Turn it off and order me some pizza. (laughs) Knows about pizza now. We had a little ice storm not too long ago come through Dallas, and we don't know what to do in Dallas when ice comes, everybody passes out. We had a little ice storm, and my dad, because he's the greatest man of God that I know and such a servant, after the ice storm, he is outside, not just shoveling the ice on his driveway, but shoveling the ice on everybody's driveway, saying, I don't want them to fall and get hurt, shoveling something that he used to be afraid of. See, the enemy loves to come into your mind and make you doubt your citizenship in the kingdom of God just because there's areas of weakness in your life. But I've learned you got to talk trash back to the devil and say, God is not through in me yet. I might not be perfect, but I'm in the perfecting process. And sooner or later, I'm going to step into all that God has for me because I'm still a citizen. Oh, in the kingdom of God. Come on, all the citizens, would you give God some praise in this place? You're still a citizen. Don't give up just because you're walking in the unknown. Don't give up just because the terrain doesn't look familiar. Just keep walking. So God, watch this. God takes the children of Israel through the wilderness, through the wild blue yonder, because before he gets them to the promised land, he's got to get Egypt out of them. And I love that he takes him through the wilderness because I thought about that. I was like, God, why would you take him through the wilderness? Come on, you don't have to do that. Come on, the wilderness is a jacked up place to take somebody. There's no life in the wilderness. Never in the Genesis narrative do you ever hear God saying, let there be a wilderness. It's dry. It's not a lot of resources. But I found out even in my own life that sometimes God will let you go through a wilderness season. He'll remove your resources so that you know that he is your source, so that you'll know that he is every single thing that you need. He took him through the wild blue yonder, the wilderness. And I, if I had time, I'd talk about all the miracles he did. Ooh, he did some miracles. He did some signs that would make you wonder. People, Moses hit a rock. Fiji water starts coming out of the rock. People, they're walking through the wilderness. Panera bread <laughs> just starts falling from the sky. They're walking through the wilderness. The Bible says their clothes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. I'm thinking, God, they're in the wilderness. Nobody's looking at them. He said, I still want them to be fresh and clean, though. Ooh, that's scripture for shopping. I'm just saying. He did so many miracles. You would think after all those miracles, they would have said, God, thank you so much for setting us free. God, thank you so much. We're not where we used to be. But that's not what they did. They said, Lord, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to slavery. What would make somebody cry out to go back to the thing that they cried out to get out of? I call it the frustration of freedom. Because the frustration of freedom is this. It is so much easier to go back to what you've always known than to trust God for what's ahead. 
It is so much easier to walk back to what is familiar than it is to walk forward by faith. But Fresh Life, God has not called you to walk by what is familiar. He has called you to walk forward by faith into the wild blue yonder, into things that your eyes have never seen and your ears have never heard. And you got to just keep walking. Somebody comes to play softly behind me because soft music behind the preacher makes him sound more spiritual. <laughs> When the children of Israel said they wanted to go back to Egypt, I understood what they meant. I understood what they meant. Because, yes, it was Egypt. Yes, it was slavery. Yes, it was hard. But at least it was a schedule. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm going to get whipped, but at least I know at 3 o'clock I'm going to get my beating, and then I can go back and check my Instagram and do whatever I got to do. But this whole thing of being out in the wild blue yonder and Moses don't know where he's going and trusting the unknown is hard to walk into the unknown. But God's called you to just keep walking to not go back to what's familiar but to trust him for what's ahead and this offering God's going to speak to you he's going to tell you to do something some of you it's going to blow your mind because it's not familiar but he's telling you to do it by faith because of where he's taking you to because there's greater in front of you than what's been behind you I, uh, I'll never forget hearing this story of this police dog this police dog specialized in high-speed chases. Whenever they were chasing a suspect, they would send this dog after the suspect. And one day this dog bolts out in the middle of a busy intersection. Cars are flying by. The car didn't see the dog, slammed on its brakes, but it was too late. The car hit the dog and the impact was so intense, the car completely crushed the dog's hind legs. The dog survived the accident but it affected its walk. It caused the dog to walk by flailing its front legs in front and dragging its hind legs behind. Flail its front legs in front and drag its hind legs behind. Come to find out when the dog got hit by the car, it was pregnant with puppies. The dog gave birth to the puppies. Puppies were healthy, beautiful, nothing wrong with the puppy's legs. But when the puppies got ready to walk, Guess how they walk? By flailing their front legs in front and dragging their hind legs behind. And the veterinarian had the hardest time trying to get these puppies to realize, hello, there's nothing wrong with your legs. You've just been walking out the dysfunction that was modeled in front of you. So the veterinarian began the process of teaching these puppies to walk the way they were created to walk. Teaching these puppies to walk the way they were designed to walk. Teaching these puppies to walk the way their creator saw them walking. Come on, you know why you had to be in church this weekend? You know why you're watching online? It's because every time you come into this church and you hear the word of God, every time you lift up your hands and worship in spite of your pain, every time you take a step of faith and say, God, I'm going to sow, even though I don't know how it's going to end. Do you know what God is doing? He is teaching you how to walk the way your legs were created for you to walk. He's giving you strength to know that there is greater that is in front of you than what's been behind you. Come on, you might be in the wild blue yonder, but don't you go back to what's familiar. You keep trusting God for what's ahead because your destiny is greater than your history. Come on, somebody. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Somebody give God some praise if you know there's greater in front of you than what's been.
telling you, your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has already prepared for you. Don't you give up just because you're in process. Don't get off the plane just because you're in the middle seat. God's going to get you to your destination. Trust him in the wild blue yonder that there's greater in front of you than what's been behind you. Can somebody just give God some praise if you really believe it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for us in a moment, and I don't want to preach after I already preached. But every preacher has at least six closes, so this is, this is one. I was looking at this text. I really thought, God, why did you get so angry that they were sick of the manna, which was the bread that came down from heaven? All they wanted was some meat in Egypt. And I'm thinking, God, come on. I, I like meat. I'm a meatitarian. I said, well, why did you get so angry just because they were sick of the manna, which was the bread that came down from heaven? And I remembered that the Old Testament is a shadow of what Christ is in the New Testament. So in John chapter 6, when some people roll up on Jesus and say, hey, we know Moses was the man because of the manna, the bread that came down from heaven. So Jesus, why don't you authenticate the validity of your ministry? And Jesus says, you don't even know what you're talking about, bruh. Say, guess what? I am that bread that came down from heaven. You looking at the manna right now. I am that bread. So when the children of Israel rejected the manna, guess who they were rejecting? Jesus. They're saying, Jesus, you're not enough for me in the middle scene. Jesus, you're not enough for me in the wild blue yonder. But you want to know what sustains you when you're in the unknown? You want to know what makes you give generously? Is when you know that Jesus is absolutely everything you need. When that is solidified in your heart, come on, generosity will erupt out of your heart. When you know that he is everything that you need, that he is your source, he's your provider. Come on, it's easy for you to give. It's easy for you to step out in faith. It's easy for you to just keep walking when you know that he is every single thing. Thing that you need how are we gonna give is when we know that he is our source he's everything that we need would you bow your heads I want to pray for you father I thank you for your word God I thank you that we can trust you in the middle seat God I pray that you would give us faith and strength for the middle God I pray for my brother I pray for my sister who feels like they're alone because they're in the wilderness God, I thank you that you are doing something in them to get them ready for where you're taking them to. So God, I pray that you would give us grace to trust you more and more and more. In Jesus' mighty, matchless name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God some praise today? Hallelujah. God bless you, First Life. Thank you so much for watching this teaching from the Wild Blue Yonder series. If at any time during this message you made the decision to put your faith in Jesus, congratulations, we are so excited for you, and we would love to send you a Bible. Now to receive that, you can click the Know God button at freshlife.church and fill out the form there, and we would love to get that in the mail for you. Now if you prefer a digital Bible, you can text the word Fresh Life, 
all one word with no spaces, to 99,000. And we would love to send that to you along with a 21-day devotional through the Gospel of John that Pastor Levi wrote. And if you would like to support what God is doing both in and through the Fresh Life House, there are several ways that you can do that. You can give by clicking the Give button on our website, giving via the Fresh Life app, or you can text the word FRESH to 45777. And if God has used this house to work in your life, we'd love to hear from you. We hear stories from people all over the world, and it's so incredible to see how God is working in the lives of people all over. Now, if you'd like to share your story with us, you can click the Share Your Story button on our website, or you can email us at story at freshlife.church. And finally, for this Wild Blue Yonder series, we put together Wild Blue Yonder giving kits for everyone to have just to remember to pray for this series and pray for your year-end offering. And we would love to send you one. They come in this Wild Blue Yonder box. And inside, you'll receive a card with vision and just kind of direction about this series. You'll also receive uh, an envelope that comes with a card that you can write um, your year-end offering on, but it also comes with a way for us to pray for you. So if you want to fill this out and send it back to us, we would love to pray for you. And finally, it comes with a super rad Remove Before Flight keychain that says Wild Blue Yonder on one side and Risk the Ocean on the other side. And this is just such a cool way to remember to pray for this series, pray for your year-end offering, and just believing alongside us what God is going to do as we launch into the wild blue yonder. Thank you again for watching this message.